253 days ago, I stood here and shared with you God's verse for our church family this year. I shared how God was going to use this verse to challenge us, encourage us, and prepare us for all that he had planned for us. This verse is Psalm 37 and verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God wants us to delight ourselves in him. Take delight in the Lord means to be glad in the Lord, to find our joy in the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord, to find our happiness and our significance and our sufficiency in the Lord. God did not tell us to delight ourselves in us. God did not tell us to delight ourselves in others. God did not tell us to delight ourselves in stuff. God did not tell us to delight ourselves in this world and what this world has to offer. You see, each of these outlets will fail every single time to satisfy and sustain us. God told us to delight ourselves in him. So, how are you doing? How are you doing? I reminded us as well, all those many days ago, about how Satan will try to do whatever he can, including using other people and our circumstances to keep us from delighting ourselves in the Lord. And we've seen plenty of evidence of this. The pandemic, the COVID-19 coronavirus, the pain, suffering, and loss of life caused by the virus, the damage to the economy and the loss of jobs caused by the virus, the restrictions on some of our freedoms caused by the virus, the pandemic of racism, racial injustice, police brutality, and brutality against the police, lawlessness, rioting, and violence in some of our cities, the destruction from the lawlessness rioting, and violence, the distraction of the lawlessness, rioting, and violence from what's really wrong and what really needs to be corrected and how it is to be corrected, the continued devaluing of life from the womb to the tomb, the bias and misinformation from the media designed simply to stimulate anger, anxiety, conflict, and disunity. Social media abuse and misuse. The stress over the upcoming election. Pastors facing fines and arrest for having church services in our country. Church members 
facing fines for trying to attend church services. The challenge and stress surrounding how do we start school safely again? How how do we protect our teachers and our students and our children and our families as it relates to education in our country? How are we able to do this? Fear and uncertainty about what is to come, what is ahead for us in the weeks and months to come. Well, there's one thing we know. We can't say God didn't warn us. Spiritual warfare is alive and well, which is why it's so important for us, so vitally important for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. God has placed his Holy Spirit in us to help us delight in him. We can delight ourselves in the Lord because the Lord is always with us. We can delight ourselves in the Lord because the Lord is watching over us. We can delight ourselves in the Lord because the Lord is transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. We can delight ourselves in the Lord because the Lord is at work in us, through us, and around us to fulfill his good purposes for us and all those around us. We can delight ourselves in the Lord since we know God is for us. Therefore, we know no one or nothing can be against us. God is for me in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. God is for me in Christ Jesus. Out loud one more time. God is for me in Christ Jesus. Yes, he is. He is for us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We're on the winning team in Christ Jesus. We're victors. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so we can... And we must delight ourselves in the Lord. I'm starting a new series this morning titled, Do Unto Others. I am excited about what God is going to teach us and what God is going to do in and through us as we unpack his truth for our lives in this series. As always... God wants us to be doers of his word and not hearers only. We are able to be doers of God's word as we walk in God's power and strength, not ours day by day. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 7 is where we will begin. We find ourselves at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. We're at the end of this amazing Sermon on the Mount by Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount is considered to be the greatest sermon in all of Scripture. At the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he selected his disciples and he told them to leave their homes, their jobs, their families to follow him. Jesus taught his disciples and his growing band of followers after that point, what it means to be his disciple, what it means to be his follower, what they should do, how they should live in this Sermon on the Mount. I want us to focus on one verse out of the 111 verses in this Sermon on the Mount. 
this one verse summarizes all the other verses. This verse shines brightly amid the other verses. This verse is commonly known as the golden rule. Matthew 7, verse 12, I hope you've made your way there. Matthew is recording Jesus. Jesus is the speaker here. He is the one sharing this Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is simply recording his words for us. And now we have the Holy Spirit who is going to teach us this morning uh, in a new way the truth of this amazing passage here towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said these words in Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and prophets. Almighty God, we ask right now that you would take this truth that is so important, so relevant for our lives today, for all that's going on around us and in us. Father, I pray that you would just by your spirit speak to us, and I pray that we would receive everything you have to share with us with joy and with faith and with obedience as you continue making us more like Jesus today. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Bible scholars tell us that the Genesis, the very beginning of this teaching that we see in Matthew 7 and verse 12, dates all the way back to the Jewish rabbis in Israel in the Old Testament in the 1400s B.C. Other religions added a form of this teaching into their belief systems along the way. The initial focus was on the negative aspect of this teaching. The initial focus, this is an important clarification, the initial focus was on the negative aspect of this teaching. By that I mean it was all about whatever is wrong, whatever is unkind to you, don't do that to others. Whatever is wrong, whatever is unkind, to you, then don't do that to others. Jesus came along in the first century and he transformed this teaching. Jesus focused on the positive aspect of this teaching. Jesus said, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Now notice, Jesus didn't tell us, do unto others as they do unto you. Jesus didn't tell us, do unto others if they do unto you. Jesus didn't tell us do unto others when they do unto you. No, Jesus said, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Putting the focus where it needs to be on this amazing truth, on this amazing passage, and that being positive action from us to others. So let's take a closer look at this verse. Verse 12, let's take a closer look and we'll take this apart a little bit this morning as we set the foundation this week, next week for this series that God has us in and this amazing passage of scripture. Jesus began this verse and he said, therefore, so let's just stop there. It's a good place to start and it's also a good place to stop, right? Therefore, understand and know scripturally, biblically, we know that therefore is therefore a reason. 
Whenever you see a therefore, it's therefore a reason. This therefore points us back to what Jesus had said before in chapter 7. So if you just look ahead up at the beginning of chapter 7, you'll begin to understand and realize Jesus said, don't judge others harshly with a condemning spirit. Don't judge others pridefully while thinking you are better than others. Jesus was making the point here at the beginning of chapter 7, and it's a real simple point. Don't focus on the spiritual leak in someone else's life when there's a spiritual flood going on in your life. Don't do it. Jesus also told us in a fairly chilling way, he said, God will respond to you the way you respond to others. Now, if you notice, Jesus did not say, don't judge ever. We understand and realize as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we are biblically called to judge one another. We're called to judge one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus because this allows us, this is one of the ways that allows us to apply the truth of God's word in our relationships. Now, we're certainly to judge one another humbly and lovingly, but we're also to judge one another faithfully. Because it allows us to apply the truth of God's word in our relationships, such as if a brother or sister is caught in sin, as Paul said in Galatians chapter in the first part, verse 1 and verse 2, if a brother or sister in Christ Jesus is caught in a sin, then you are to go to them and you are to restore them gently. But as we go to restore our brother and sister in Christ gently, we're also to go and not only restore them gently, but we'll go to restore them with our eyes open and our heads up. Why? So that we don't fall into the same trap of sin that has engulfed them and so we understand how are we to know if a brother or sister in Christ Jesus is caught or trapped in a sin well we know this by the way in which we judge them the way in which we look and watch out for one another culture has taken this word judge and made it such a negative term that people just explode when you hear it at a moment's notice and it's not to be received that way certainly not biblically now, without question, we as followers of Jesus Christ are guilty of judging one another in an unbiblical manner. There's no doubt about that. And quite honestly, that does produce a very negative reaction in people's lives, especially those who don't know the Lord when they see us as followers of Christ judging them or others unbiblically. But we know that Scripture calls us to judge one another humbly and lovingly as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Jesus also said, if you continue to look ahead, he told us to pray. He said, ask, seek, and knock. Because God hears and answers our prayers according to his will for us, which is best for us. Jesus actually told us, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids when our kids ask us for stuff, then how much more will God give us his good gifts when we pray to him? And so we know prayer helps us to judge one another rightly. Prayer helps us to do to others what we would have them do to us. Jesus said, therefore. Now, the therefore also secondarily points us back to the entire teaching of the Sermon on the Mount because this verse is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So the therefore not only points us back to the immediate context, which is chapter 7, but it also points us back to the entire teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And we see when we look from that perspective that Jesus 
mention the law and the prophets at the beginning and at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, turn to your left, probably just one page to your left. Matthew 5 and verse 17, Jesus at the very beginning of this sermon, he said these words, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. The law and the prophets, the Old Testament scriptures, the law encompassing the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, the prophets encompassing the rest of the Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophet, the Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus, the Savior who was to come to rescue us from our sins. The entire sacrificial system of the Jews, the Jewish sacrificial system that we see throughout the Old Testament was what? It was simply a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Christ that was to come to take away the sins of the world. And so we know this. Peter told us, for Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And so Jesus fulfills the law and the prophets because Jesus brings us clarity and understanding about the law and prophets because Jesus is the embodiment and fulfillment of the law and prophets. Now, in chapter 7 of verse 12, Jesus similarly said, for the golden rule is the law and prophets, which means the golden rule summarizes the meaning and the teaching of the law and prophets. It summarizes this teaching, summarizes in a very simple yet profound statement of truth, the Old Testament scriptures. And so we understand the context from which we're looking at both immediate there in those verses in chapter 7, but then expanding out to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and then literally to encompass the entire scriptures, Old and New Testament. Notice now, Jesus also connected the golden rule with the great commandment. He connected the golden rule with the great commandment. Turn to your right now to Matthew chapter 22. Real quick, turn to your right to Matthew chapter 22. I want you to see this. Matthew 22, Jesus was involved in his preaching and teaching ministry. He was teaching his disciples, his followers, and the crowds, which included the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. Jesus stunned everyone with the wisdom and depth of his teaching. Stunned everyone with the wisdom and depth of his teaching, most simply because of his age. He was a young man. He was a young man in his early 30s, scholars agree, in some range there. And typically the teachers of the law, the teachers of the word were well past that point in their years because they had had to study for 50, 60, 70 years till they were considered qualified to preach and teach. And here we find Jesus, he stunned those who listened with the depth and the wisdom of his teaching. He also silenced his critics and opponents who tried to test him and trick him as he was ministering on earth. And so we see in chapter 22, I want you to begin reading with me in verse 34, uh, Matthew recorded this scene. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, that he being Jesus, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, so here comes the expert, number one ranked expert in the law. 
asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Get this now, look at this, verse 40. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Jesus commanded us to love God and love people. And the order is important. As we love God first and most, God fills us with the desire, the ability, and the strength, and the wisdom to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now get this, we love our neighbors as ourselves as we what? As we apply the golden rule. Jesus here told us the golden rule and the law and the prophets depend on the love of God in us being seen through us on a daily basis in all our relationships, which makes sense to us because we know and understand and realize that John in his gospel told us, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I love you, so you must love one another. By this all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And so we see this connection here. So within Matthew 7 and verse 12, there is a lot of amazing truth for you and for me. Amazing truth in this golden rule. So let's look at some points about the golden rule. Let me just identify some points for us about the golden rule that will help guide us as we make our way through this series this fall. Some points about the golden rule. First, the golden rule is clear. The golden rule is clear. There's no mistaking the meaning of the golden rule. Jesus was very clear with this teaching and instruction. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. If we want others to bless us, we're to bless them. If we want others to comfort us, we're to comfort them. If we want others to encourage us, we're to encourage them. If we want others to forgive us, we're to forgive them. If we want others to help us, we're to help them. If we want others to love us, we're to love them. If we want others to minister to us, we're to minister to them. If we want others to pray for us, we're to pray for them. If we want others to respect us, we are to respect them. The way we want others to speak to us, we're to speak to them. The way we want others to treat us, we are to treat them. You see, Jesus perfectly applied the golden rule in his life and ministry here on earth, and we are to follow his example with our lives and ministries. The golden rule is clear. Secondly, the golden rule is concise. The golden rule is easy to grab onto. It's easy to memorize. Luke was even more concise and to the point in his gospel. Luke said, just as you want others to do to you, do the same for them. He was even more concise. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Again, this golden rule, in an amazing way, this golden rule shows the amazing, unending wisdom of God to summarize the law and prophets, to summarize the Old Testament scriptures in such a concise statement of truth 
such as the golden rule. The golden rule also shows the amazing, unending wisdom of God to fill such a concise statement with such a depth, so much of God's truth for our lives. It is clear for us, the golden rule. There's no mistake in what Jesus is teaching us here. And it is concise. It's easy enough for us to grab onto, for us to memorize. Without question, the golden rule is easy to remember, but it's infinitely more difficult to apply. We also see that the golden rule is complete. The golden rule is complete. There is nothing that we need to add to the golden rule. There is nothing we need to change with the golden rule. There is nothing we need to take away from the golden rule. The golden rule is complete in its inspiration. The golden rule is complete in its instruction. The golden rule is complete in its implication to you and to me. Simply put, the golden rule works for all people in all circumstances at all times. We cannot go wrong applying the golden rule in our lives and relationships. We can't go wrong. It's complete. It is inspired, God-breathed by the Holy Spirit of God for you and for me in such a way that it allows us to just take it in, to dwell on it. But oh, not just to keep it for ourselves, but then to share it. Fourth, the golden rule is continual. Jesus said, therefore, whatever... You want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Do also the same for them. Say that with me out loud. Do also the same for them. One more time. Do also the same for them. The key word there is do. Do. In the original Greek language, that's from the Greek word poieo. And it means to do. It means to make it happen. It means to bring it into being. Make it happen. Bring it into being. Do is a present active imperative. That means it's a command from God to you and to me, and it's a command that we're to obey today and every day at all times and all circumstances. The voice is active. It's a present active imperative. Imperative means it's a command. Present tense means it's to happen every day, all through the day. The voice, is, it's active. It means we're the ones who are to activate it. We're the ones that are to do it. We're to do for others as we would have them do for us. That should summarize our day-to-day lives and the way in which we relate with one another and all those God places around us in our congregations. We do for others as we would have them do for us. Now, remember, God is not commanding us to do for others as we would have them do for us in our strength and wisdom. Please hear, please understand, that's not what God is commanding us to do, because this would only result in frustration and fatigue and failure on our part if we were to try to do to others what we would have them do to us in our strength and wisdom. It's not going to work. God is commanding us to do to others what we would have them to do in his strength and wisdom. You see, as we humbly depend on God, as we walk by faith in the Spirit, 
God fills us with the desire, with the strength, and the wisdom to obey his word. It's just what Jesus told his disciples at the very beginning. He said, what? Come, follow me, and you will make yourselves after a certain period of time, after many, many years, fishers of people. No. He said, come, follow me, and what? I will make you fishers of people. See, we follow God fills. We follow God transforms. We follow God takes care of the rest. And so we see how important this is. Again, the Christian life is not about us living our lives the best we can for Jesus. No, 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 no. The Christian life is about Jesus living his life through us as we simply yield ourselves to him, as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God on a day-by-day basis, as we seek him first, as we trust in him with all our heart, lean on our understanding, as we think about God in all our ways, he then lives his life through us. But then I want you to finally see as well that the golden rule is curative. It's curative. If we would simply obey the golden rule, we would be different. If we would obey the golden rule, others would be different. If we would obey the golden rule, our marriages would be different. If we would simply obey the golden rule, our families would be different. If we would simply obey the golden rule, our churches would be different. If we would obey the golden rule, our relationships would be different. You see, if we would obey the golden rule, think with me. If we would just simply obey the golden rule, emotional abuse would be cured. Physical abuse would be cured. Sexual abuse would be cured. Verbal abuse would be cured. If we obeyed the golden rule, anger would be cured. Bitterness would be cured. Conflict would be cured. Discouragement would be cured. Disunity would be cured. Disrespect would be cured. If we simply obeyed the golden rule, gossip would be cured. Hatred would be cured. Insensitivity would be cured. Injustice would be cured. Racism would be cured. Slander would be cured. Unkindness would be cured. Unforgiveness would be cured. Violence would be cured. Why? The reason is simple. We don't want that stuff done to us. That's why. You see, Jesus focused on the positive with this teaching because his truth is always positive for us. It's always positive for us. This works. We're the ones that mess it up. We're the ones responsible for when things get crazy and out of whack. It's us. It's not the Lord. It's not the Word. This works. It's curative. Just think. Dwell on it. The difference 
Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. It's so simple. It's almost like it's too simple. And yet it works. If you're you're taking notes, I would add a sixth point. I would add this sixth point, and it's simply this. The golden rule is contagious. It's contagious. You see, the golden rule spreads God's blessings from us to others and from others back to us. The golden rule just develops a circle of our relationships and our congregations that we go and minister to on a weekly basis. It just develops a circle of just God's blessings just pinging all over the place. Just pinging back and forth. Nothing but blessings from us to others. Nothing but blessings from others to us as we walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. You see, everybody wins with the golden rule. Everybody wins with the golden rule. You win, I win. Even the lost world around us who desperately needs a relationship with God by faith in Jesus wins when the golden rule is applied in the church because then it gets out of the church and it affects the culture rather than the culture getting into the church and affecting the church. There's far too much of that going on. Now, you see, the church is designed to impact the culture. That's the way it's supposed to work. And it's long overdue for the church, us, to get right and to start having the impact that God, that God wants us to have on one another and all those around us. You see, the golden rule is God's perfect medication for our relationships. The golden rule allows our relationships to develop strong and deep. The golden rule allows us to live in love as Jesus lived in love. The golden rule allows us to stand together arm in arm in the battle of spiritual warfare. The golden rule blesses us and those around us. The golden rule is best for us and all those around us. And one of the things that I love the most about this rule is simply this. The golden rule turns the spotlight on us, not others. You see, the golden rule, and the Lord God Almighty, all-knowing, understood this. This is why he spoke this truth into being. The golden rule speaks to each one of us, not others. You see, in order to obey the golden rule, we have to have a relationship with God, the author of the rule. And we know that the scriptures teach us that we enter a relationship with God by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us that we were once lost in sin for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all turned and gone our own way. We've all said, thought, and done things that are unpleasing to God. We've all missed his mark of perfection. And our sin against God separates us from God. And what we really deserve is death apart from God. That's what we deserve. 
If we're talking about justice this morning, then that's the justice that we would have deserved. Death apart from God for an eternity in hell because of our sin against God. But you see, God offered us his grace and his love and his mercy and his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he offers us a gift this morning. That's the gift of life. That's the gift of forgiveness of our sins. That's the gift of, of love from God to us in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus suffered for sins once for all. The righteous, perfect one, the holy one, for the unrighteous, unholy, imperfect ones, us, so that we might be brought to God. It is by the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood he shed on the cross of Calvary. He gave his life for you and me so that we might... There's death, burial, and resurrection have the opportunity to receive this abundant eternal life with God by his grace through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. So let me just encourage you this morning. If you have not yet received this gift of love and life and forgiveness of sins, then please say yes to Jesus this morning. We'll have pastors here to stand in just a few moments, and they would love to introduce you to Jesus. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, God raised us from the dead, we're saved. But let me also share this, because this speaks to most of us here in this room. In order to obey the golden rule as followers of Jesus, we must be right with God, the author of the rule. You see, here's what the golden rule does for you and for me this morning. Here's what God's desire is for you and for me this morning with this golden rule. It's simply this. You see, God calls each one of us just to sit before him. Each one of us, no one else, us. To sit. And just to allow the Holy Spirit of God to examine us. To allow him to search our minds in our hearts to simply say, God, would you have your way with me? God, would you identify anything that is unpleasing in me? If there's any wrong thought, if there's any wrong belief, if there's anything that I'm doing, if there's anything that I'm saying, if there's anything in me that is unpleasing to you, if there's anything in me that I am actively doing that I wouldn't want done to me, then God, I confess, I confess, I confess. I confess that to you. And I ask you, God, to clean me up Fill me up so that you can use me up in your work. You see, this allows us just to sit with the Father so that he can renew us and restore us with him. Because apart from that, we're not going to be able to be effective with one another. We love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And then we're able to love others as ourselves. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in this time. And I just want to encourage you to do just what the Lord's asking us to do right here, right now. Let's just spend some time.
The altar is open. Maybe you want to come and kneel before the Father. Maybe you want to kneel right there in your row, just take a knee, just to humble yourself before the Father. Our pastors are standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus. If, as we said, if you, you don't have a relationship with God, you can't fulfill the Word of God, obey the Word of God apart from a relationship with God. And they'd love to introduce you to Jesus. But my brother, my sister, let me just encourage you. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to do business in your heart and your mind this morning. Ask him to search. Ask him to convict if there's conviction needed. Ask him to cleanse. Ask him to restore. Ask him to renew. Ask him to empower you once again so that you would be able today and this week to do to others whatever it is you would want them to do for you. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord in our response to him.